what's going on family it's your boy pastor santa come on what's up y'all this is your co-host from ricard you well we welcome you to the real word episode 20 of season two that means we're only five episodes away from ending the second season shout out to all the guests that came to the second season shout out to everybody that's been watching shout out to all supporters shout out to everybody that just been looking out for the show man shout out to god because without god there wouldn't be any of this so you know as we start to wrap up the season we would like your input we would like your questions and comments share what we could improve next season what we could do better and everything else um but today we got a special guest introduce yourself brother my name is Savi Durante, but i'm probably better known as mr noir Monsieur Noir, Mr. Black. <laughs> and where did the name Mr. Noir come from? I was being real dumb about it one day, and I was just like, you know what? It'd be really, it sounds really good in French, but really dumb English. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let me just go with that. Yeah, man, it fits you. Um, and you a model, right? Tell people a little bit about yeah. your modeling. Um, so I've been modeling for, well, seriously, for about two years now. Um, I'm more into the editorial slash commercial stuff. This past year, I've been doing more influencer things. I've done Shea Moisture campaign. Mm. I've done Timex campaign. Mm. I've done a Coke Boys campaign. Wow. I've done a few things. Coke Boys French Montana? Yeah, when it was actually popping. <laughs> yeah, this then I fizzled away. How did you get involved in all that? Like, how did that start? Um, Instagram is an amazing platform, yeah, I have really to say. Is. And I do know a couple of people. Um, so I kind of started by accident when I was with the modeling thing. It was kind of like just me helping a friend out because she needed some shots and she was like, oh, just hop in. And I was like, all right, cool, but you know, I don't really like the camera. And she was like, oh no, but it'll be fine. It's just for me. I got in there and she was like, yo, these, the photographer was like, yo, these is actually type dope. You should actually consider doing this. And then I didn't really consider it to be that profitable until uh, somebody opened my eyes into just different avenues you can go ahead and take it and actually make it profitable. And then adding the whole influencer aspect into it, it just goes ahead and just adds more profit into that as well. So, Explain to you what an influencer is. So um, basically an influencer is, as the word would suggest, somebody who influences his followers. So with a large uh, following, you go ahead and influence your followers to either purchase a product or to go to a location and venue and spend their um, their money. Mm -hmm. So companies pay influencers to buy their products. Instead of spending like $50,000, $60,000, to get a celebrity or whatever the case is, if you have somebody who's on Instagram with 110,000 followers, wow. you can pay him three, four $4,000 for one picture on Instagram. And more than likely, at least 15 to 20% of his followers is gonna go ahead and make that purchase just because of his influence. So how do you get together with those companies? Um, a lot of it is just is um, pitching, but you can't have a pitch if you don't already have a platform laid out that has that following. Yeah. So you have to have the, the, the following first. You have to have the engagement, because I think a lot of you guys should be familiar with um, how Instagram works and engagement. So mm-hmm. if you have a large following and you have a great engagement, then that kind of makes companies look at you as somebody who, does, who, who has influence. So it's one thing to have a lot of followers, mm-hmm. which is why sometimes you'll see people with like maybe 70, 80,000 followers, but yeah. 100 likes. Yeah. That person has no engagement. That person can't sway anybody to do anything. Okay, okay. So if you, if you can go ahead and create a post and then people will go ahead and like the post and engage, or you engage back with the, with the people, mm-hmm. Instagram one is more than likely to go ahead and blast your post everywhere without you having to put any money towards it. On the Explore page. On the Explore page. Um, another thing will happen is a lot of blogs will go ahead and repost your picture because they keep seeing it mm-hmm. and they want to be a part of whatever's trending. So when they see it, then they go ahead and repost it and repost it and repost it and repost it. And then companies, want to, they want a piece of that because that's to them, that's an opportunity for profit. Yeah. So if I'm somebody, for example, who were, to able, mm-hmm. who were able to get 15 different blog sites to repost one picture and that one picture was aligned with a company, or for example, I'll say Timex, then what that does for Timex is it increases the likelihood that you, the consumer, will go, who's looking at my page, will go ahead and purchase the Timex watch. So for them, it's beneficial to spend the four or $5,000 on an influencer. Wow. So my next question, right? I'm I, I so sorry to cut your back to ask you a quick question. So in regards to, you said it's difficult to have 
a large following, they have a large following, but they don't have um, engagement. Why do you think is that, if I may ask? Um, so there's different reasons. You might have a large following because you purchase them, mm -hmm. which you can, they have like, um, yeah, you can purchase followers, but those are fake accounts. You yeah. can go ahead and purchase those. Even through Instagram, those are fake accounts. Yeah, they, there's, so there's Instagram, a fake account generator. So no, not Instagram itself. There are people who generate. No, no, that doesn't matter. As a fact, yeah. but if you have, but if you pay Instagram to get you followers, they will get you followers. Yeah, if you pay somebody, well, not not Instagram, the application itself. So this, there'll be like somebody will approach you on in your DM and be like, hey, do you want twenty thousand dollars, twenty thousand followers? Pay ten ninety nine, and then you pay ten ninety nine, and all of a sudden you'll have like fifteen thousand followers. Yeah. But when you click on that account, that page will have zero followers, and it's following six thousand people. Yeah. It's a generated account. Okay, Not okay, because okay. I know in, in, in Facebook, you can like, for example, like my my, my Facebook page finos don't count. Yeah. We pay Facebook. It's not like Facebook. We pay Facebook to get you followers. Okay, so what you can do on Instagram is you can pay. It doesn't guarantee you followers, but you can pay Instagram to promote your page. Okay. Which is the same way. So you can pay Instagram to promote your page, and that will in turn lead to more. Because okay. the more exposure, the more likely that somebody will see your page. That's a fact. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure about that. Go ahead. So building up engagement, like what what do you think make people engage the most? So, um, some people think it's cool if you have a lot of followers and you don't comment and you don't talk to people in the comment section. Yeah, I don't that's a bad move. <laughs> why do people think like that? Because it's kind of like if I have a lot of followers, it's like this mystique, I'm cool, I got a lot of followers, I don't have to respond, and that doesn't do well for your engagement. Wow. Yeah. If That's if you're a smaller um, account. If you're a larger account who's already up there, then that you necessarily don't need or not dependent on engagement necessarily. Like celebrities, basically yeah. the people in the, in the comments, they argue with each other. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you don't need that part. So, but if you're a smaller account on the come up, then you, the engagement part is important. Wow. Because when you are making pitches to these companies, you do need to let them know what your engagement looks like. And there's applications that can tell you wow. how engaged you are with, with um, I'll call them the clients, but no, your customers, your consumers. So they'll tell you how engaged you are with your consumers. Um, you let them, you give them a report of how engaged they are, how many posts you, how many likes you average, comments you average, and they'll go ahead. Um, plus, on top of that, there are applications that tell you how much a post is worth on your page. Mm. So you can find out if your post is worth any money, if your posting is worth any money. And then you let the company, you let the companies know that this is profitable for them to, to work with you and collaborate with you. Which is why now you can see on Instagram, now it has a, top, a section at the top now underneath the name. If you post, it'll say in partnership with and then the brand. Oh wow, I know that. Yeah, you can go ahead and connect with brands on that level. But you have to email the people, you kind of got to do a lot of groundwork. Or oftentimes, um, a lot of companies, because they see that, and they see an opportunity, mm -hmm. they will go ahead and reach out to you. So with Shea Moisture, Shea Moisture was, um, Shea Moisture reached out to me. Wow. Um, they see my page, float, my picture floating around, and then they reached out to me and asked me if they want, if I wanted to be part of their um, beard campaign. That was November, November's beard campaign, their digital campaign, and then it's, um, it took off from there. Wow. So, so how much money do you have on Instagram, let me ask? Uh, Twenty one point seven. That's amazing. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's how you feel about that. Right. It's nice, regular, right? I, I look at it as an opportunity for money. I just don't think of it as making me anything. No, that's that's beautiful. Because yeah. things at the end of the day, you know, you know that your value is in God, right. and the reason why you have influence is because God gave you the swag that you have. So right, 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 right. Which is but I think first and foremost, um, because we're Christians and we're believers, we're supposed to be influencers anyway. Yeah, of course. I agree. So. If I gotta I give you that, give that. I gotta give you that, my God. If I have an opportunity that's real. to that's real. speak the word, but not necessarily, I don't think the message always gets translated the best if you give people straight word. I think a lot of times it's lifestyle, it's lifestyle yeah. your character, your behavior, and then people are inquiring. That's right, I agree. So when people start to inquire and have questions, and then they start yeah. to wonder what makes you and sets you apart. So, me, my approach isn't necessarily I'm gonna go ahead and shove the word down your throat. No, of course not. My approach is. You're gonna see me. You're gonna be like, "Wow, this is like I didn't know you could be Christian and be cool." Mm -hmm. Then I'm always I'm this, I'm a positive person. Period. So when people see that, they kind of tend to mm -hmm. want to know more about what yeah. I'm about, yeah. where I go, what church I go to, yeah. what my faith necessarily. Is. But I'm not directly asking them, "Hey, come to come to the church because I need you need to be saved." Mm -hmm. It's more like just living your lifestyle, and people are 
just curious as to mm. what your lifestyle is about, That's who you are as a person. Sounds cool. That's man. real. So, how did you build such a big following? Like, what do you think about to attract people, and how did that following grow? Beautiful. Um. So that's kind of a hard question to answer, only because if it wasn't for the gigs I did that I've done, then I think my following wouldn't have been as large. But even before the, the gigs I was doing, um, I kind of had a decent following. And I think that's because people can just tell when you're transparent with them and you're honest and you talk to people. So I'll be on Instagram talking to complete strangers, giving them advice. That's kind of where I started, just talking to people and just giving them just regular, just basic advice. and the advice that I was giving kind of just stirred something in me and I was like, you know what? I don't want to just give advice to the three, four, five people who may just reach out to me. I want to be able to try to reach as many people as possible because what I do at my um, home church, I talk to young adults in a close setting. I don't really like, I don't really like doing it in front of a large crowd in the front of the pulpit or in an AY setting. I like doing things in like a small, I'm, I'm like, what I am is, I'm more the guy in the back in the sound room. That's the type of guy I am. So I like having those small settings and having an opportunity to talk to the 15, 18 kids privately and then meet up with them occasionally. And then after that, talk to another 15, 18. But with Instagram, I get an opportunity to just 100% be myself, post things that are relatable to people, mm. um, show people that you can be Christian, you can be cool, you can have swag. Um, and there's no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You can be artistic, you can be into certain things without, without necessarily promoting God in such a large way, but you are promoting God through your lifestyle. Mm. I have to actually, so if they actually preach, would you ever preach? Um, I would have to pray about it. To okay. be totally honest. Okay, okay. I'm not a, me, my thing is, okay. I don't, I'm not opposed to letting the spirit lead me in whichever way that the spirit decides to. Okay. But I definitely personally hate public speaking and I've done I'm weird so I hate speaking in front of people I know I have no problem speaking in front of complete strangers <laughs> oh it's the teacher's own yeah it's nothing wrong with that that's funny because that's exactly what it is in the Bible most of the time when someone preaches like the Apostle Paul first yeah. started preaching mm-hmm. they sent them to his hometown to preach to his people first because usually they're the hardest people to, to reach. reach yeah because they judge you based on who you were that's not right. who you right. are exactly right. so like once you reach them, then you can reach the world. Right. It, it, it's unfortunate that, that, that they won't take you serious until other people take you serious. You see what I'm saying? Right. When other people take you serious, that's when they want to take you. You say, what's well, just sad. And, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, for me, it's just like I get really nervous in front of people I know. I start looking at their faces like, oh, snap. Oh, I know you. I know you. And I'm just like, oh, it's a whole cluster. Mm-hmm. But then in front of complete strangers, I'm like, I got you. Whiplash, got you. I'm mm. going and swaying the crowd, so I'm just a lot more comfortable with smaller, intimate settings. Mm, that's real. Yeah. That's real. So, besides modeling, do you, do you do anything else? Uh, I work a boring nine to five. Okay. So I'm trying to lead into entrepreneurship by uh, the start of next year. God willing. Oh, so, so what type of entrepreneurship? Um, so I want to start my own clothing brand and I can't speak on the other one because that's more into reality. I'm a lot closer to that one than anything else. So soon and very soon I should have a lot more things in the works. You don't want to jinx it? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to continue to keep things in prayer Mm. and then when I get it, when I see a sign, when I get a message to go ahead and jump off the bridge, I'm jumping off the bridge. Do Do you feel like you're getting a lot of support? Um, so I'm real private. So with the people who do know, it's like 100% support, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. As far as, like I'm not into going ahead and announcing things and then beating my chest. I'm into just like, let me just keep it real, real quiet, real, real private. And then hopefully if people notice, they notice. If they don't, they don't. Mm-hmm. I think that's a positive attitude. Basically, um, there's a scripture that I read today that said, what did it say? I said, do not do things based on your own knowledge, but do it with the spirit, I guess. Not, I guess that's what exactly that you're doing. In regards to clothing, like what type of clothing would you be doing? Like urban wear, formal uh, wear? I'm not definitely not, a, it's definitely more formal. I'm more, I'm not street, I'm not into street apparel. Mm-hmm. Even though I have street apparel on, this is just like the comfiest thing I could probably I could wear. Mm-hmm. But um, I would definitely be doing more like um, A-line cut tees. Um, 
Suits? I might do some ties and uh, some dress shirts. What about socks? Socks is a big thing. Cause socks are a big thing. Rob Kardashian made a lot of for socks. Socks are a very big thing. I'll, but I'll, I'll definitely dip and dabble into uh, everything else. Mm. Sounds cool. Um, so the other day, guys, I was driving Uber because I do Uber part-time a little bit on the side. So it was this Jewish guy, slick Jewish guy. Mm. So he got into the car and he was like, oh, nice car. I was like, thanks. And he was like, I hate Brooklyn. I hate Brooklyn. You should move out to Queens. And I was like, why Queens? Mm. He said, because I like Queens, man. Queens is cool. It's cheaper. You got more space. Queens is just better than Brooklyn. I said, wow. I said, I've been born and raised in Brooklyn. I like Brooklyn. He said, oh, you you live in Brooklyn? I said, yeah. And then he asked me how much I pay in rent. So I told him, he goes, oh, so what do you got? Section 8? How do you pay for that? <laughs> <laughs> with a Saturday idea, they, they are the biggest recipients of Section 8. Continue. Facts. Mm -hmm. Mercy. And let's break that down. How, how do they receive Section 8? Basically, because they get married in synagogues, mm -hmm. so within their spectrum, they are they're married, but they don't get married in the court of of law. I guess the U.S. courts downtown yeah. the way we do to get to obtain a marriage license. So therefore, their marriage is not recognized by the state. So the woman Ooh. technically is single, but religiously she's married, so she can still claim public assistance benefits. And guess who owns the house? Probably her husband and his friends. That's <laughs> right. So, so I guess. His stigma was like, okay, I'm a black man, um, because he also asked me, oh, is Uber all I do? I said, no, I got a nine to five job as well. He said, oh, so you got two jobs? Why? Why? So basically, he was like, why you have a nice car? Why you could afford rent that high and not be on Section 8? Why are you married? Why do you have two jobs? Like, why are you not fitting the stigma? And it seemed like after a while, when I didn't fit the stigma, he put in his headphones and he seemed like upset. Mm. Wow. And I heard something about, um, I think it was Dick Gregory who was talking, and he said basically people of different races could be prejudiced, but they can't be racist. As in, for someone to be racist, they have to be able to control another person's yes, power form thing. of living or way of living. It's As in, like, I could be prejudiced towards you, but I have no power to send your children to a bad school. I have no power to make you live in a bad neighborhood. I have no power to make sure that you don't get a certain job and be disenfranchised. Mm. I don't have power to incarcerate your kind by a large proportion versus people of other skin color. That's a fact. So do you guys think there's some facts to that? Or? No, there is There is factors. Um, like I said, you, you explained what prejudice is, but racism is, 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 is control. It's all about control. So I agree with you on that 100% and everything like that. With the Hasidic Jew, it's all they really see when it comes to African Americans is just something is negative. So they don't necessarily get to know mm. anything about us outside of slavery, thugs, mm. rap music, chains, jewelry, and violence. Mm. So mm. when you comes across somebody who isn't all of those things, mm. he's perplexed. He's like, well. <laughs> so he threw his headphones on like, nah, he's not a real black guy. He doesn't count. Mm. Wow. That's real. <laughs> he doesn't count. <laughs> that's real. Another thing. That, 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 that's why, personally, we, we, we have to take it to the next level. We have to continue to project um, positivity. Because, you know, as Haitians, it's a strike against us already. You know, they still, they still doubt us. Um, especially when they say, oh, you look Haitian? Because I get that all the time. You look, you can't be Haitian. I'm like, yeah, I'm Haitian. You know what I'm saying? Father, mother is, and also to being, you know, black, being young, and being a man, we already have the strikes, the stacks against us. So we have, we have ten times to prove than, you know, white folks. So to show that we we have to be better, better ourselves. So yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's funny as I was talking to um to my wife and my brother. Uh, you married? Yeah. I didn't know you was married. Yeah. You yeah, yeah, just yeah. had a baby too. Yeah. Who are we married to? Lori. Her name's Lori. Okay. Okay. I met her before, right? She's been married out there, right? No, she doesn't. She's originally from Sinai. Okay, okay, that's what's up. Yeah. I didn't know he was a married man. Okay, that's yes, what's sir. up. Yes, how, was, how was married life for you, bro? It's interesting, yeah, to say the least. No, it's, <laughs> it takes, it requires a lot of prayer. And um, if you don't have a great communicator, if you're not a great communicator, if you don't have a great communicator, it just makes that life that much more difficult. Mm -hmm. So it takes a great deal of communication and trust. Well, that's real. 
Wow, that's that's real. That's real. So how long has it been? Like five years, six years you've been with her? Or? Since October. No, okay. well, since, since I've been with her, I'm married. I'm married. October. Okay, okay. With her, about a year and change. That's what's up. That's what's up. I'm happy for you. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I see. got a daughter too. His daughter was born three days after mine. Yeah. That's what's up. That's what's <laughs> up. Yeah. How was it? How's the feeling of being a father, man? Um, Second to none, honestly, because... Uh, I'm looking at her and I'm like, this is literally mine and God's entrusted me to go ahead and raise her. And I know she's not, she, I know she's not mine. God entrusted me to raise her. God entrusted me to lead her in the right path. So it's like a great deal of responsibility that's extremely humbling. Yeah, that's real. That's real. That's powerful, man. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about um, mm. what, it, what it's like being a black man in today's society as opposed mm. to in the 1950s. And there actually, there was this thing about being a black guy, about being a black man, where it's like, you get up, you dress sharp, you go to work, you come home, your wife has the meal ready for you, your kids are, dis are well disciplined, you're respected within your community, you're not sagging your pants, you're not involved in all that foolery, you don't cheat on your wife, that you were, if you did, it was kind of like, what is wrong with you, like how could you have been involved in that? And But the family was still able to keep together, even if you were to go ahead and step out on your wife, the family stayed together because they knew that it was more important for the family to be together than mm -hmm. for the family to be apart. Mm -hmm. And then you look now, and it's like cheating is cool amongst other young black Cheating men. is whack. Absolutely. Yeah. But when the funny when, part is, is when you don't cheat, they look at you like there's something wrong. There's something wrong with you. You bugging. Facts. They look at women as now. They're looking at women as um, materialistic. Um, Facts. It's, it's really just. You flash, like women are just objects, so you flash what you got and then you get the girls and then you're the cool guy because you got the girl, then you stand in the corner, you hang out with your boys, mm -hmm. you smoke a L, you drink a 40, you go, you kick it, you chill, you come back, you do the same thing over and over again, and girls kind of like, oh, yeah, they block to the guy, and it's just, the image of a black man has never bounced, has yet to bounce back, mm -hmm. and even if there were to be a few black men who were walking the right line, those black guys aren't highlighted as much as because there are there's just so much more of the negative type of black guy black man as opposed to the guy who's doing the right thing so um i was talking to my brother and he was just like really like yo it's very important as black men for us to from the second we leave our homes to go ahead and put portray the right image of what a black man is like because there are young black men right mm -hmm. now 13 14 12 who are in this place because that's that age group right there, you're lost, you're great. You don't know mm. what you want to do, you don't know where you want to be. Wow. There's so many outside influences that are trying to go ahead and grab you, and you don't necessarily, you haven't mm. truly defined what it, what it is to be a man and you're heading towards puberty, so you're, you have all of these different things that are happening to you, wow. but you, don't you may not have the guidance because a lot of black families now into the society, the black father is absent. Exactly. And that's the mother who's going ahead and you know, playing both roles. Wow. So with her playing both roles, she isn't necessarily giving him the proper guidance to be a man. She's giving him her idea of what it should be to be a man, but not necessarily. He doesn't have that visually. A lot of, a lot of us are visual. So you can tell us things a thousand times, but if you show us, it's totally different. You know what I mean? So if they, they say, um, give a man food, he eats that one time. Teach him how to fish, he eats forever. Wow. If you teach him, if you teach a boy how to be a man, but it takes a man to teach him how to truly be a man. So if he can go ahead and and learn that, then he can go ahead and influence those around him instead of being influenced by those around him. Mm. And you being an influencer yourself, do you feel like your upbringing played a huge role in the person you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I've had my father in my life, um, my entire life. So. I can't necessarily relate to the absence of a father, but I can go ahead and speak on the importance of having one in your life and having that structure and having that example. Because there are a lot of things that are in our subconscious that we, we act on a lot of our subconscious desires. And a lot of things that we don't know about ourselves is because we haven't truly tapped into why we are the way we are and the things that have happened in our lives as to making us who we are today. So it took... For me, I know that I'm real quiet, real reserved, um, but I get a lot of that behavior from wow. when I was younger getting bullied in wow. kindergarten. Um, so fighting that every single day is a struggle, but I had to come to that realization that it's because of 
X, Y, Z as to why I am the way I am and I can go ahead and address those issues. Why were you being bullied? I just came from Haiti. I was okay. like five years old, just came from Haiti, had to go to ESL. So they put me in a separate class. I couldn't speak the language. I had a crush on this girl named Kiara Lynch. <laughs> I, I never will I forget this. You got a lot of love, man. Never will I forget this, man. You got a lot of likes. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, continue. But, um, so Look. having that, and a lot of kids were like, ew, and they used to call me Blackie. I couldn't speak English, so I couldn't retaliate with my words. Yo, they used to call me Blackie too, man, but right now, dog skin wanted, right? Right, right. <laughs> so it was Blackie, it was Big Blackie, it was Charcoal. It was a whole bunch of different things that kind of messed up with Darkness, my self-esteem. Darkness, like I called Darkness. Darkness. <laughs> um, in class, when they would bring out the, the TV, you gotta be a little older to know that, but in class, when they bring out the TV, TV to show you uh, you're a the movie, they turn the lights <laughs> off. They turn the lights off, and then everyone goes and be like, "Oh, where's Sadie going?" And all fast and like laughing. A lot of that ruined and messed up with my, messed my self esteem up. Yeah. So I had a lot of confidence issues growing up, up until I want to say up until I grew my beard. That little bitch was the, the the turning point for me. But mm -hmm. um, a lot of it also has to do with mm -hmm. your relationship with God, mm -hmm. because I was just going to church, but I wasn't in church mm -hmm. i wasn't involved mm -hmm. i wasn't studying i wasn't doing any of that True. so a lot of it was i didn't know whose i was i just knew that i would i just went with the motions so i had to do a lot of my own like personal self-discovery which i think is kind of important for not just um a men to do but i think for everybody to do mm. to do a measure of self-discovery and open up the word and figure out exactly your purpose mm. um and where and what you're supposed to do and how you can use your talents and your gifts to not just better the people within your community, but to um, the people at large. Mm -hmm. So some people may be singers, but they only want to sing in their homes, but um, that could be a ministry and a testimony to so many other people. So it's important for you to go ahead and share that ministry. You may not have the most perfect voice and be able to sing like someone like Cheryl, but if you can, if, as long as you have that, that, that drive and that passion within your heart and you mm -hmm. have the desire, to go ahead and do something positive, then God's gonna go ahead and work with, work in you because it's not necessarily about the, how you sound when you sing, but the message of the song you sing. Mm -hmm. So it's important for us to do like a lot of self-discovery. It's important for, and now I'm tying this back to um, being a black man and the negative um, image laid on us. It's important for us to go ahead and be real with ourselves and understand what it is to be a man to, in today's society. I'm about to ramble on. No, 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 keep going. Good job. Because you're going in now. Like, we got so, it out of you. No, no, so no, no, now no, you no, got to no, go, go in do, now. Do thing, now you got to finish. Come on. So I was, um, <laughs> I was um, talking with my wife about... Um, I was listening to I, I, I want to just say this to, to sort of cut you off, man. We're yeah. we, 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 we going to support you, man. We're going to talk after. Thank you. We're going to support you, what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, the model is to put you in position, not prison. So right. I just love the way you're, 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 you're thinking, man, in regards to just building building our brothers up you know what i'm saying because it's really 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 needed man but continue yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry so i was listening to wow. this pastor i forgot what the pastor's name is but um wow um during my long drives i listened to sermons online and things like that on youtube so i was listening to this pastor and he was talking about the displacement of a black man in the um 21st century and how no, not just black men but just men in general but i think it more so affects black men because of the, us being disenfranchised so it was um, before the before World War II. The role of a man was he was going he was go he would go and put bread on the table, and that's that was his role. He came home, and we're talking about husbands now. He would come home. He would expect food to be there. He would um, engage in actions with his wife. Go to sleep. Wake up the next morning. Go make bread. Come back home and do it all over again. And that was his purpose. That was his role. So when the men went out to war the women had to go ahead and get involved in working in the industry and making weapons. So now women were working in the workforce. It was, not, it was something that was never done before. So now with women working in the workforce, by the time the men came back, there were no jobs for the, for the men. So now the men come back, they have no jobs, which at the time, their jobs was their purpose, to go ahead and provide for their wives. When you look at it in today's society, I black think women- Jake said that. Was it? it wasn't T.D. Jakes, oh, it was, I forgot his name, and I'm literally drawing this amazing wow. blank. Yeah. But when you think about today, black women are self-sufficient, they're 100%, not just black women, but women, period. Self-sufficient, 100% wow. independent. And some of them are superseding yeah. super men now. Right. They have two, four, five degrees, they have the home, they have their kid already, and they are seeking a husband, but now the husband is lost as to where his role is in his family dynamic. He doesn't make more money than her, so he can't provide financially 
Um, she already has a job. He can't put a roof over her head. She has a home. He can't buy her a car because she has two or three. So she doesn't need anything from the man anymore, mm. except for his love. But for us as men, it's kind of difficult for us to, with our egos and our pride and the way that we're just built, for us to accept that. <laughs> it's hard for us to accept that all she wants from us is our love and we can't provide it in any other way. So a lot of, a good percentage of men, what they do is they get involved in domestic violence because that's the only thing they have over their woman is their strength. Mm. So then we were talking about it and it was just like, it was, it's real. Because when you think about a lot of um, African-American women, they're looking for, a lot of women are after college, after, already engaged in their careers, but they're single. They don't have a man who matches them in terms of the direction they're trying to go because a lot of the time the men are behind. Mm. The men are behind because they spent a good amount of their years instead of focusing on what they were supposed to focus on, mm. chasing women, getting involved in gang activity, getting locked up, fast money. And fast money, so many other things that by the time they realize that it's time for them to go ahead and get their act right, the woman already has everything and she doesn't need anything from him but mm. his love and he can't accept that. And sometimes their record's too dirty for them to get clean. Right. So it's really, really difficult for, for a black man, not just black men, but for men, period, but I think especially black men, to find their place in society and not get caught and lost in a lot of the things that they get lost and trapped in. Mm -hmm. So it's important for them to have people of influence, people who are role models to them, to go ahead and uh, steer them in the right direction. So something that my church was doing, we were doing a, a mentor-mentee program. It was, um, I don't know if you know, Ken? Ken from Naranatha? I think my face. Yeah. So um, we started a mentorship program um, at my church and it was lining up younger youth with older youth and basing it off of, so if I knew you were in school for nursing, I lined you up with a nurse to be your mentor, mm -hmm. to go ahead and continue to guide you along that path and check up on you and all so many other things. Cool. Um, I know Robinson has a few, a few young adults from my church that he checks in with all the time if they ever need any help, if they have any questions to go ahead. So it's really, it takes the older generation, those who have either made the mistakes and bounced back, or even if you didn't bounce back from those mistakes, to go ahead and be an example for those who are currently going through that gray zone when you're 11, 12, 13, to get yourself in the right direction, to get yourself on the right path. That's true. But I was told that two million black men are currently missing. Missing in the sense that some are, they're missing from the home, basically. Right. Like some are in prison, some are dead, some have lost their way, some are in other situations, many of them are homeless. Because we know that basically most of the time when a guy gets released from jail, he's paroled to a shelter because most people don't want him back because of the stigma. He committed a crime, wow. either sex offender, robber, killer, whatever he is. Mm. Um, so they go to the shelter. And the shelter, there's, the shelter is almost like jail mm -hmm. in the it's sense violent. that they, they have to leave the shelter by nine or they have to leave their doors by nine. And by five, it opens back up, but then they gotta be in the shelter by 9.30 at night. So they got a curfew to, to come back and they got a curfew to leave. So there's almost like their life is controlled. They get three square meals a day and a cot, just like how prison is. So it's almost everything is almost exactly the same. And they're in a situation where they're like, everybody that's similar to themselves is locked in the same place. And we know from them being in jail now, they suffer from post-traumatic stress and other things such as depression because they can no longer provide, like you said. So now they're in a situation like, damn, I done did 10, 20, 30 years in jail. I come home, my girl, she got a master's degree, she got a house, she got a car. I came up with nothing but this penis, you know? So after a while, I'm not going to feel like I'm the man because most times the way the man shows his love is by providing. Mm -hmm. If he can't really provide, then he feels worthless. And like you said, this domestic violence issue, he slaps her like, yo, I'm the man. Mm -hmm. But really, like, he's physically strong, but fiscally, like, financially and mentally, he's weak. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's the miseducation of the Negro and the women that sent from all over. Wow. I feel like that's what it is. And it, because we know and we're aware, as those who are older, it's our responsibility to go ahead and prevent that from happening to the generations to come and to go ahead and be leaders and to mentor as many people as we possibly can. That's right. But I feel like sometimes, especially with people of color, like they have a lot of ego, I feel like. And, and, and certain black people, when they reach a certain status, 
they allow that bourgeoisie feeling to come over with like, I'm better than you, so I'm not going back and helping you. Like, why you guys think that is? I think it's, um, they get real white about themselves. If I, if I could put it any other way, they get real white Bill about Carson. themselves. Yeah, because once you're not amongst your people, once you reach a certain stature, you feel as if you have to leave your people. And the reason you feel like you have to leave your people is because the people who are going to, the people who are with you, once they see you reach a stature, then they're going to go ahead and take from you. They're going to expect from you. So you want to try and displace yourself as much as possible. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's dangerous, to be honest with you. It's dangerous in a sense because True success is when you allow other to be, other people to be successful. Right. You know what I'm saying? And when you when you when you when you were like a Ben Carson or a Kanye West, you start losing your way. You see what I'm saying? And that's why I respect Jay Z in regards to you know what I'm saying. And all the person you're married to as well too. You know what I'm saying? You you understand that? Listen, you know we gotta give back. It's all about giving back. And I respect guys like Ti and and J Cole and Kendrick. Shout out to those guys, man. You know what I'm saying? Who's, even though they they rich, they stay in tune with their with their roots. So so, do you guys think having a black wife helps you to remind you that you're black and helps you to go back and help those in the struggle versus to having another wife that doesn't know the struggle? I think it depends on the uh, the character of the person because you can still have a white wife and she's with give back to the community, help the community, empower the community, and, and love the community. It, it depends on on, on the person. On the, on the person's character. He needs to go ahead and continue to be the leader in his home. If he's that's, the leader in his home, his wife will follow us. That's a fact. Mm. So basically, it's the lack of leadership, you guys are saying. Within their relationship? Because, I mean, it's one thing, it, and this is a real dicey thing because it's like <laughs> in a more independent time, but um, it's important for um, men to be the, the head in their relationships, to go ahead and be the head in their families and make the important family decisions. Um, as much as you value your wife's opinion, um, it's important for you to go ahead and to be the, the head of your household mm. and to whatever principles you have to never lose your principles because of if your wife were to go ahead and have different principles than you, which I don't think you should get married to her if she's not aligned with you the right way. Mm. A lot of people are married with people they should really shouldn't That's be married a, with mm. in the first place or with people they shouldn't be with period that's how you end up with a relationship that has a lot of tug and war in it because they're not aligned properly god never put them together in the first place mm. you're trying to make fit pieces fit that don't belong mm. so so do you think there's a role reversal where the woman is now the head and the man is now the tail because back to what we were saying in regards to the weed lynch right um, basically, the man wasn't there in the home, and the mother was there trying to teach the boy how to be a man, but more so, the mother was teaching the boy how to survive because she saw what happened to the father. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think about that? Um, in, 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 in a way, I, I can agree because you, you see in a situation where there are sisters that feel that because they, they have... That, that they're entitled to make the man, black man feel less than, or you know, not man enough. So I agree to an extent. When I was younger, I dated an older woman, not much older. Um, I think I was like twenty. You have nothing to say with regards to what I just said, no? Yeah, no. Okay, I understand. Okay, <laughs> I just want to make sure to say your thoughts too. I was twenty. Very insightful. Seven, and she was thirty, I believe. So wow. I met her. Met her at this law firm that we was both working at, and when I met her. She had her own condo out in the Bronx. She had a master's degree. She was working on her second master's and PhD in dual program. Um, she was a former correction officer. And physically, I was bigger than her, but she was smarter. And like you said, the only thing she wanted was love and comfort and understanding. At times, I felt insecure. I'm not going to lie to you. But seeing her be successful made me want to be even made me want to go harder you understand it's a fact yeah and like whatever i could provide at the time i did and you know we try to make it work obviously it didn't work out because that's not the girl i ended up marrying but i've been in those situations i think more so when you whip a woman that's successful or even if you're a woman and you with a man that's successful sometimes it can get overbearing because you might feel left out or you might feel like that person might leave you. Like, it's best to level up yourself, you know? Because it's, it's two pillars that hold the house up. 
if one pillar is stronger than the other, then the foundation is weak, mm. basically. So if both pillars are strong, then there's equilibrium at the top. That's real. That's real. That's all I can say. It's real, it's real and it's deep, bro. Yeah, so <laughs> I think, I don't know. I think us as black people, I think we need to wake up. Um, I don't. I can't say like I fully agree with Kanye in, in the sense that slavery was a choice, but we know some people, they eventually chose not to deal with it. Those that ran away, those that fought, those that rebelled, those that killed themselves, and those that died fighting, like Nat Turner. It's a fact, like Harriet Tubman. Those people felt like, I'm not going to deal with it, and we know that there's house niggas, basically, that, 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 that was like, yes, master, yes, master, I'm going to stay in this house and deal with it. I, I want to be clear just to even add, uh, add up to the thing is that historically speaking, there were numerous, not only slave revolts in the West Indies, but there was also numerous slave revolts in America as well. So I want to just be very clear upon that. Um, I think the Haitian Revolution is something that is very, that, that, that definitely needs to be acknowledged in regards to we are a threat to white supremacy because of the mere fact that not only did we chop the heads off white supremacists and we burned their house to know that um, that we, we, we helped. <laughs> that's what we did, you know what I'm saying? Also, guerrilla warfare and um, battle tactics that was a very successful way to the point where we, we were willing to die for the cause because, you know, that's why, you know, it couldn't stop. You would see brothers going inside of the, um, of the cannon and they had no problem dying for the cause at, um, um, at all. And that's what's so beautiful and then about the Haitian spirit. But also, too, um, helping other countries um, in Latin America, um, beating the Spaniards, beating the British, um, is, is something that is, is, is outstanding. And we paid a heavy consequence we did. for it. Till this day. And to this day, we're paying for that now. But I know for a fact that Haiti would, be, um, would definitely be Brazilian. So in regards to Kanye's um, thing, um, um, slavery was not a choice for, for no black, no black person. You know what I'm saying? But there were those that chose not to build. That's a fact. There are those that chose to build. I think you have to be aware that you have a choice. I think a lot of them, because this was something that their mother was in slavery, their grandmother was in slavery, and their great-grandmother was in slavery, a lot of people weren't, wasn't aware that there was anything outside of, for their race, outside of slavery, that there was no such thing. Um, so if you lived in the South, you weren't aware that there was an opportunity for you to be a free slave in the North as you and you couldn't read and you couldn't write, so you had an opportunity to go ahead and communicate with many, with many people. And if you were educated, if you were an educated black man, they kept you away from that. Mm. And if you were a troublesome African-American, they killed you and got rid of you and made you an example. Mm. So you realized it's either death or I continue to, to, I continue to live as for another, live to see another day. Mm. So um, I think it was a psychological, a psychological warfare. They, it was one thing that they weren't necessarily prepared to go ahead and take on for mm. generations. It wasn't until uh, a good amount of African Americans educated themselves and educated other individuals in secret and decided that they were going to go ahead and stand up for themselves. Mm. And news got around to different plantations that things were, that there was an uprising and things were happening. Um, so I, it, it's all about, did they really know that they, that they had a choice in the matter? And what was the other option? The other option was either death or continue to live your life and have your, and still have your family. They still had their family. They were still able to make the best out of whatever the situation that they were in. Wow. So for them, it wasn't necessarily, it was all they knew. Mm. So if slavery is all you know, we may very well be enslaved right now, which we are, but we may very well be enslaved right now. We think it's okay. It's 100% fine for us, which is the same thing that they were living in. They were living in a time where slavery is the norm for African Americans. Mm. So anybody who, was, who stepped out of the line, who got out of pocket, it was like, yo, he's crazy. He just died for this, bro. Like, it ain't that bad. Like, I still got Cecile and my kids and all these other things, so everything is it's still, it's okay. I can deal with Master, so what I go ahead and do is I try to appease Master as much as possible to go ahead and keep my family going. If Master needs any information, I'm going to go ahead and give Master that information because he's going to take it easy on my family. Mm -hmm. So that thing that was like, a, it, it, it pinned us against ourselves. It was it's psychological. It was something that we weren't prepared to, to take on at the time, which is why it took so many years to overcome slavery. Mm -hmm. And let's apply it to today. Today, there's a lot of disenfranchised Negroes, for example, those that grow up in low-income neighborhoods, that grow up on public assistance and Section 8 and all those things and food stamps. 
they live in a situation where they feel like there's no way out. They feel like if they get a better paying job or if they get a job, then they lose their section aid, they lose their public assistance, and they won't, leave, they won't be able to survive on their own. The men or the boys is growing up without the fathers. They live in a situation where they only see two blocks in front of them. So they only see drug dealing and hustling, pimping and stealing. So they feel like, what I look like a square if I go to school and I learn. But then there's the few that like, okay, I'm gonna break this cycle. I'm gonna go to school, I'm gonna pass your class. I'm gonna learn your craft. I'm gonna beat all these things. And once I make it out, I'm gonna better myself. Or I'm gonna start this business. I'm gonna take this risk. I might take a loan or I might work hard in order for me to build up capital to build a business. Other people looking at them like, Look, look at this person, they're crazy, like, what are you doing? Like, this hasn't been done, I've never seen nobody do this before. How is this person gonna do that? How are they gonna manifest such a thing that seems so big when we looking at life so small? Because all we see is this, these people never been on vacation, they never left the neighborhood, they, they, they never left the state, let alone that block. So those people are in a state of slavery. Those people are in a mental bondage. And the people that's breaking that bondage, you, you can say that they're the field Negroes, because they're like, nah. I'm not gonna take this, I'm gonna build my own business, I'm gonna graduate school, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do all these things so I can better myself. And then there's the people on the other side of the fence, the people in the house, they're like, what's this person doing? Let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're trying to get in this? No. Because we all dealt with it, in a sense. I remember I went to a job interview and on paper, they did not think I was a certain complexion. Just because when I stood there next to somebody else that didn't have melanin in their skin, they thought, that the resume belonged to them because the because the resume was quote unquote impressive up until the time when they put a face to the paper and he saw it and he said, sorry sir, we're no longer hiring. That's crazy. So this is one of the things that we deal with on a regular basis. Mm, that's real. Yeah, it's an entire system built against us because when you think about what you were saying with the, the prison system, um, so they set up a whole bunch of laws that specifically targeted our communities and our neighborhoods as opposed to um, the white neighborhoods. The biggest consumers of, of drugs and narcotics period are Caucasians. But they put a higher penalty on African Americans for using similar drugs. Then yeah. they mass incarcerated African Americans mm. in order to send them to prison and break up the and to, in order to break up their homes. The now so now when you go ahead and you break up their homes, what you're left with are young men who have no sense of guidance, no sense of leadership and what they automatically turn to is the streets in order to survive because they see their mother struggling to be able to maintain the home. And as a survival mechanism, you turn to doing whatever you need to do, no matter who you have to get it from, in order to keep your family and your mouth fed. So now when the black man comes back home, he is in a, in a state where he can't vote, he can't um, get a proper job. He's always going to be a felon. No matter what he does, he's always going to be considered a felon unless he goes ahead and gets in business for himself, by himself. In order to do so, you need a large amount of money. No bank is going to give you that loan because you're a felon. So that puts you in this endless cycle. So now on, top, on, the others, on the other side, what they're doing through television and media, they're uh, polluting our minds into believing that in order for you to be a successful African American, the way you need to do it is to go ahead and be a rapper. You need to go ahead and, and as, the, as a rapper who are just the pawns, they're promoting this over-sexualization of African-American women, wow. they're promoting drugs and um, violence, activities and things that they were involved in that they were able to break out of, yet they're promoting and regurgitating that back into the community, into the streets. Mm -hmm. So now these kids who are easily influenced because they do not have that sense of self, because they don't know, they're not aware of God, and they're not aware of God and who they belong to, they go ahead and listen to Jay-Z or to listen to Nas or no because they've all rapped about the things that they've done, not knowing that this is more, more so storytelling as opposed to, hey, this is how you should live your life. Mm -hmm. They think it's more, this is how you should live your life when Nas is telling a story saying, this is how I used to live my life, but you see how I am now. So these kids think, okay, well, if Nas did it that way, maybe that's the blueprint to getting rich, so I'm gonna go ahead and do it that same exact way. Mm -hmm. So you have a bunch of kids who are pursuing um, becoming rappers. Um, when they sell alcohol, when they, when they um, advertise for alcohol, they put Diddy next to a bottle, but he's surrounded by beautiful women. So they make you feel as if in order for me to go ahead and be cool and successful, I need to be around uh, uh, multiple women. When um, rappers are talking about drugs, they're not just talking about drugs and telling you the bad parts of drugs. They're telling you these drugs were the reason why I was able to write the songs that I wrote. These songs, when, uh, these drugs, when I was taking these drugs, man, I had like 16 girls with me. So kids go ahead and they get involved in mm. all of these drugs because they want to be just like their idols, which are the rappers. And the people who are pumping all of this into the media, 
is the um the, the white the whites. So whites are not only funding it, but they're also the biggest consumer. So this is how they find out about us. This is how they relate to us by the music that they listen to. So when they listen to a guy like Takashi Tech Nine, whatever his name is, they think, oh wow, this is how black people are. It's all of that. Okay, cool. And then they imitate it, feeling as if that they can relate to the culture. And then we make it okay because we call it the culture when it's it should it's not appropriate for our our young black men and women to consume because what you end up with are a bunch of black men who are in the streets. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of zombies of black um, black women who are promiscuous and ending up with so many different men because they are chasing this idea of he's got it, so I've got to be aligned with him because he's got it. Mm. So it, it's it's an endless cycle and we are all victims of it. And in some way, shape, or form, we've all been victimized by the system. So basically, the war on drugs was born on blacks and make America great again to make America white again. Pretty much. So closing thoughts, gentlemen. Um, man, it was real, man. It was a good show. <laughs> good show. That's it, man. I'm blown away, man. <laughs> closing thoughts, brother. Um, it's See, that blackness close. came out of you today. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, we just got to do better. We got to be our brother's keeper. We have to be um, aligned with God and know who we belong to. And we have to be responsible for one another and work in love and not in hate or in jealousy or envy or anything of that nature. Uplift one another. When you see somebody down there, there's nothing wrong with picking somebody up and helping them and dusting them off. Um, it's important for us to put our pride aside oftentimes and allow somebody to help us. Because there's actually somebody who's mentoring me on this, on my on business end, and she's younger than me. Wow. So it's like extremely humbling. Um, and then on top of that, on a, from my perspective on my relationship, I have an older couple that I look up to, Kurt and Sandy. And that's like my relationship goes right there. They're like, yo, amazing couple. Yeah. But I think it's just important to just keep your eyes open, be in love, um, that be open to receiving. To divorce people. don't count? Yeah, divorce is not an option. Oh, yeah, divorce is not yeah, an option. Yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, shout out to him. Well, guys, mm. as you have it, that's why I call it the real word. We give you the real facts, we give you the real history. We give you the real truth, and we incorporate the word of God. So shout to the real word. Shout to Sanders. Shout to my guest. Shout to everyone that's been watching the show. Shout to anyone, everyone that's been supporting. Shout to everybody that supported the first season. Shout to everybody that supported the second season. Mm. Don't be leaders. Be, don't be, sorry. Don't, don't be, be followers. followers. Be leaders and Bam. influencers. You're, you're great. We come from descendants of kings. Continue to be kings and queens. Respect yourself and respect those around you. And leave a footprint upon history. So even when you're gone, everything that you did supersedes you and outlives you. So that's our message for today. Um, if you want to, you can donate at www.gofundme.com backslash the real word. That's www.gofundme.com backslash the real word. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com backslash C for channel backslash The Real Word TV. That's youtube.com backslash channel backslash The Real Word TV. Please share, like, and forward this to a friend. Thank you for watching. Thank you for always being there and supporting us. Shout out to all you guys, and we we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Uh -huh.